Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to theater in college hoops. I'm Subi flying solo today. Nobody, nobody in the studio with me today, with the exception of our guest. Actually, you'll find out who that is shortly. But no Taylor, no shark. We are brought to you by the Barnburger Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week this week. It's stats battle former guard for North Carolina State, just an all-time name, all-time college basketball name, all-time athletic name, 6'6 guard from NC State, stats battle, really highlighting, I suppose, the dichotomy of two types of players, really. You got you got a guy maybe who's all about the stats and the first name. Second guy's the gritty glue guy who battles, stats battle. You combine the two, you got a great name and a great player. So he's your college hooper of the week. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. And make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. Make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. got a great episode coming to you a great interview with a former point guard in college basketball just a winner this guy checked so many boxes for teams that had successful seasons he was successful at nc state he was successful at butler he's been successful in his post-playing career 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you remember this name. It's Tyler Lewis. And of course, we have to thank Alex Barlow, who we had on last week for referring Tyler. I reached out to Tyler and he was so responsive, so so genuinely nice, so kind, and agreed to jump on and share some terrific stories. But if you don't remember Tyler Lewis, man, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you because this kid was just a pure winner and he took care of the basketball, which we get into. He had the best assist to turnover ratio or second best assist to turnover ratio in both the ACC and the Big East. Ball security, it's job security. And this guy had probably the most secure job because of how impactful he was. Just a winner. I can't stress it enough. Tyler Lewis. So that was a lot of fun. But wanted to hit on a few coaching items. First and foremost, Chris Beard at Texas. Apparently, he gave up beer last season. This year, he is drinking again or having a few cold ones. Hopefully, some Lone Stars. But this just further emphasizes and reinforces what I was going to tell you next week. And that is, I'm very high on Texas, ladies and gentlemen. I think they're going to be able to compete with Kansas for the Big 12 title. I think they're going to be at the top alongside of Baylor. Okay. Last year, I was not sold on them when everyone was. Everyone saw all of these transfers come in. Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr. And they said, give them a top five ranking. Give them a top 10 ranking. Uh Uh-uh. I knew it was going to take a little bit of time. Beard was going to have some growing pains. They had that last year. And I actually think they had a relatively successful season. Think about it. I think they ended up with 12 losses in the regular season, which isn't too terrific. But they won a tournament game. Lose to Purdue in the round of 32. But they battled with Purdue. I think that was a really good first year for Chris Beard. Now, of course, Texas and their and their fans, they want winners. And they want them quick. And they think because Chris Beard, who's been to a Final Four, who's back at his alma mater, who is a great coach, yes. So they automatically think that this is a recipe for a Final Four run. And because now they had all of these players transfer in who have been talented, talented elsewhere, that this is going to be an automatic success. That's what they thought last year, at least. And they finished exactly how I thought they would finish. Certainly not like a top five, top 10 team, but a good enough season. But this year, they got a year under the belt with Beard. He's drinking beer again. This really, really enforces my my thoughts on Texas. And I'm very much looking forward to the season tipping down in Austin. I think they're going to be a force in the Big 12, and I think they're going to compete for a top three to four seed in the NCAA tournament. Steve Masiello and Manhattan parted ways. Shocker. Absolutely stunning. We had Jared Grasso on a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the matchup between his team, Bryant, and Manhattan playing in the famous Gaucho's Gym. And he had talked about Masiello and and getting together with him and, and... how excited they were for this matchup and just an absolute stunner from Manhattan that they parted ways with coach Masiello. And now there's a lot of players from Manhattan transferring. Apparently Manhattan referenced the recruiting cycle. They didn't want to impact recruiting. So that's why they did it. Now we're about two weeks away from the season, but now players are transferring. It's a mess in Manhattan. 
I'm shocked. And I, the, the, the Jaspers who had a lot of optimism coming into the season, this is just kind of a bombshell to drop on your team and your fan base a couple of weeks prior to the season. So wishing the best for coach Massiello, of course, the, the Manhattan program, but, and, and the players, but damn, well, I mean, think about that. Think about all off season, you have a plan and you have your coach and you know, what's going to happen. And then right before you're about to tip off, I mean, this is about as close as it can get. <laughs> Realistically speaking, right before the season tips off, your head coach is gone. And now you're contemplating whether or not you want to stay at Manhattan. And now you're wondering what are some other safety valves, some other resources, some other teams that I can go play for and, and make an impact. Crazy stuff happening in Manhattan. So those were a couple of items I did want to talk on. Chris Beard, Steve Massiello, but I do believe it is time. That's right. It is time to get to our interview with Tyler Lewis. I want to thank him for jumping onto the program and sharing some amazing stories. He's got a very unique perspective, theater goers. Okay. He is a kid who played in the ACC. He's played in the Big East. And if you go even a little bit further back, he's played at one of the greatest college or excuse me, high school basketball schools in the country. And that is, of course, Oak Hill Academy. Tyler Lewis's pedigree is pretty unmatched. He's from North Carolina, played at Oak Hill, went to NC State, and also played at Butler. A lot of those schools are very integral in, in why we love college basketball so much, right? And we get into that a little bit, but Tyler has a really unique perspective on all things college hoops, is able to share some stories. So let's go ahead, get to our interview now with former NC State, and Butler point guard, Tyler Lewis. All right, we now welcome to the program former guard for the NC State Wolfpack and Butler Bulldogs, and really just a tremendous, impactful college basketball player, a man who was so critical in driving wins. Really, if you remember him, you should. I hope you do. We got Tyler Lewis joining Theater in College Hoops. Tyler, how you doing, man? Thank you for jumping on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well, and... Just excited to be on the show today. Hey, so a big reason why you are here today is because of your former teammate, and I'd assume still good friend, Alex Barlow. We were lucky enough to have him on last week, and here's what he had to say when I asked him, Tyler, at the end of each episode, every guest, we say, bring him up on stage. We ask someone to, or we ask our guest to refer someone. I'll be doing that with you, so have some some people percolating in mind, but here's what Alex had to say about you. So I a good one um you know he obviously has a, a bit of a unique journey um mickey d's kid carolina state transferred to butler um got in coaching dad runs his recruiting service in in uh, the carolinas um so i'm sure he has some really good stories um so can you tell us a little bit about your relationship there with alex uh, that's probably one of the nicest things barlow ever said to me about me um no alex alex is special um as, as you know he was a great player tremendous teammate um he's gonna be a heck of a head coach this year um i know that for a fact he is i mean you you, you talk about the butler way you know the butler way alex kind of lives by the butler way um he, he's just a type of person that makes everyone around him better and he 
no matter if he's a player or a coach, he knows how to get the best out of all the players around him. And he's a leader on and off the floor. And obviously he was a great player. And more importantly, he's just a great friend as well. And someone who, you know, I, I really look up to in a way um, I was able to be his teammate, my sit out year, his senior year at Butler. So I learned a lot from him. Um, his leadership abilities was one thing that just really stood out to me, the way he carried himself as a senior. And I kind of talked to him about it during going into my senior year, which was our sweet 16 year. Um, everyone pr- predicted us to be like the, you know, the eighth best team in the big East that year ended up finishing second and, going to the Sweet 16, which could have went a little bit further, but just matched up with the national champions that year in the Sweet 16. But, you know, but going back to Barlow, he's just an amazing person, special, and he has a great basketball mind. The Butler community has been so good to us. I can already tell you're a very kind, uh, nice gentleman, Tyler, and we're going to dive into a lot of your basketball history. First and foremost, I want to focus in on your pedigree, your resume. So what do I mean by that? When you look at Tyler Lewis, this man has played at Oak Hill Academy, a cathedral, legendary high school basketball program. You played in the ACC at NC State, arguably over the course of college basketball history, the greatest conference that this sport has seen, and certainly a, a basketball school with NC State. We remember the Valvano years and even uh, the years in early 2000, 2005. That's another huge a pedigree type school. And then you go to Butler. You think about one of the most iconic college basketball movies ever filmed. It was at Hinkle. Indiana is a basketball state and you're there in Indianapolis. So when I look at all of those three stops, Tyler, it's really breathtaking almost, but I want to start with Oak Hill. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like playing there and some of the legends that got there started Oak Hill? <laughs> It was an amazing experience. Um, Coach Smith actually gave my dad a call going into my junior year. I actually turned it down going into my junior year. And going into my senior year, he gave my dad a call again. And it was something I just couldn't turn down. Uh, um, I, I was already committed to NC State at the time. And I knew in order to reach my goals as a high school, you know, being a McDonald's All-American or winning a national championship, I had to make a move. And Oak Hill is about an hour away from my house, hour and 15 minutes from my house. And I knew the background. My high school played them before, um, you know, every year up to going to Oak Hill. So I was very familiar. Obviously, everyone in the United States is familiar with Oak Hill. Um, It's the best basketball high school in the country. Um, Steve Smith is, I know he's retired right now, but the greatest high school coach ever. Playing for someone who's in the Hall of Fame. And someone, he is the best coach of, like, coaching talent that I've ever been around in my life. Like, I swear, if we would have probably had him with my NC State teams, like, we would have made Final Four runs. He was that good. And, obviously, he had years of experience. I mean, when you have Jerry Stackhouse, Ray John Rondo, Kevin Durant, and those guys walking through the door, it makes it, like, you have to learn how to coach talent and coach egos along the way. And when you walk into that gym, I mean, you're going through the mountains of North Carolina or Virginia. I mean, you're like, what the heck am I getting myself into? You're losing cell service. But like you walk into that gymnasium and you see Carmelo Anthony Syracuse jersey on the wall. And 
you're like, and you see all the McDonald's, you see the national championships on the wall. And you're like, okay, this is where I need to be. And this is where I need to be to be able to reach my potential as a high school athlete and what helps me get ready for college. And that year, man, if you count all the exhibition games and we went to China and played nine games over there before um, the 2012 Olympics started, I know it wasn't in China, but we went to China um, to play games after the season. I mean, we played close to the, we went 44 and 0, three exhibitions and nine games over there. So we played 56 games that year. And that's more than you play in college, right? That's more than, I mean, shoot, that's almost a NBA season. That's, yeah. I mean, that's getting closer to 82 games. And just to, just to play with that much talent on my team and be able to live with them and, you know, work out with them, it's more of a family than it is basketball. Because if you're living with someone every single day in the same house and you're waking up going to school with them, you're going to workouts every morning, you know, workouts in the afternoon, um, you really have to grow a special relationship with every player on the team. And I think that was what was really special about our team is, granted, we had some really, really good players but we all bought into the single goal of like, Hey, we want to win a national championship. And we know that each and every game, there's going to be someone else that has to step up. Um, I remember, I mean, the two, like we had a couple guys from Atlanta that was so excited for our Miller Grove game on ESPN. They were number two in the country. We were number three and they were so excited. I mean, they didn't play their best game and it was a game where I just stepped up and played one of the best games of the season. And you know, that, and same thing that happened. Like I was so excited to return to North Carolina. I played an awful game in North Carolina and they just carried the way and scored 30 points. I mean, like we had so many times where another player on the team stepped up and was the star player. And we were really happy for each other because I mean, I only averaged, I mean, 12 points a game and seven assists, but I had two other guys in Jordan Adams and Devonte Smith Rivera on my team who averaged 20 apiece. So whenever I'm able to play with that much talent, like you have to buy into your role and you have to be a star in your role. And that's what a lot of these teams don't understand when you have so much talent is if you're a point guard, you don't have to like your main objective objective is to win the game. Get other people involved. Like, yes, you have to score when you're given the opportunities for sure. But your main goal is to lead the team and be the coach on the floor. And if you're able to do that and control the game, you're going to have a special team because at that point, guard can buy into his role. You guys won a lot of them. You guys won a lot of games historically as a program. Clearly, like you had mentioned, uh, the best high school basketball program out there. It's because of the amount of wins that you guys have racked up. I want to know with you personally, though, Tyler, you talk about playing your role and you – you sort of sheepishly, modestly said 12 and seven. That's damn good, man. I'm here to tell you, I think that's still pretty impressive, but I want to know this Tyler. Okay. Because sports reference, I was doing a bit of research on you at the time you were playing, they got you listed at five eleven, 170 pounds. Okay. Let me be brutally transparent with you as an Indian kid who used to play sports basketball, soccer, there might've been some kids in layup lines or warming up, looking over and say, we're going to cook this kid. Now I held my own, not to the level that you did, but Tyler standing at five eleven, one seventy. did you ever feel slighted or disrespected before tip off at all? 
you know what like 511 is very generous i'll tell you that it's very generous like i was you know normally on a good day i'm like 510 so um 170 was my playing weight but normally it fluctuated between like 165 to 170 i actually came into college at 152 pounds so i had to figure out a way to put on some weight um but going but yes for sure like everyone looked over there and no offense to us white basketball players out there there's not a lot of white basketball players especially none that are under six feet tall so when they look over there and they're like man who is this little white kid that's like he's starting for them and you know as soon as my name started getting more popular it was starting to get in the rankings and all that stuff like I had to play with a chip on my shoulder every single game because I had a target on my back every single game. So, like, whenever you go out there, yes, like, I felt slighted. But, you know, every small guard, no matter if you're white, black, Indian, whatever, like, if you're a small guard, you you have a target on your back, and you have to prove yourself time and time again every time you step out on the court because – there is a six two point guard out there. There are six three point guards out there. Like you, like what are you doing out there to change and impact the game every single possession that you're that you make an impact on winning? And you know, because I, I was a college coach, I see I saw it every single day when we were in recruiting. Like, would you rather have a six two point guard or a five ten point guard? I mean, I think you'd rather have the six two point guard if. But like so, like that five that five ten guard or the small guard, you have to do something special to be able to make an impact on the court. It's almost like you got to do twice as much to gain half the amount of respect. And then, of course, like you had mentioned, as your name gets bigger and bigger, and everything you did in the collegiate ranks, I think people stopped having that judge a book by its cover sort of deal in free game warmups, or at least I hope they did because if they, if they misjudged you in the warmup lines that you were probably going to cook them. So it was a lot of fun. It's fascinating. And I had to ask you about that. Now I want to dive a little deeper now, Alex, into your recruitment process and committing to NC state. Okay. So you, you've had a lot of coaches over the years and you committed to Sydney low, I think. Yeah. But Mark Gottfried was your head coach at NC State. Can you take us through the recruiting process, your relationship with Sydney, and then sort of uh, uh, coming to grips with the fact that, okay, I'm playing ball for another guy, that, but I still want to honor my commitment? Yeah. Um, well, NC State started really recruiting me when I was going into my freshman year. I was playing, I was probably four, maybe just 14, going maybe 15 years old. I don't know, 14 years old as a freshman. Um, I was playing 17 and under my dad coached our team that year. We, he always had our team playing up. I already played an age group up in anyways, but we decided to play two age groups up. We had some really good players on our team. We had Anthony Gill who plays for the, um, wizards. We had Jackson Simmons who played at Carolina, um, works with the Hornets now. Um, I mean, and a couple like other i mean we had some like low to mid guys and we had some really good football players that ended up being like you know they're really good football players but they're great role players on the basketball team so we were always playing up and you know that summer that's when college coaches they had that long live period in june and july before they started making all these rules and things we were playing on i remember we were playing at unc charlotte 
Um, there was a tournament there, and we were at the and Sydney Lowe and Monty Tao were pretty much at every game. And you know, I was I was really surprised in a way because they they already were they already had two guards committed that were two, you know two years older than me at the time that were going to be freshmen and um, Ryan Harrow and Lorenzo Brown. And um, so, but they really really recruited me hard. I mean. Whenever they were allowed, they were allowed to talk to my dad because he was my coach, my AAU coach. They were really never able to talk to me until like that certain whatever October 15th date or whatever it is. Um, But, you know, they were one of my first calls. And whenever they were able to talk and they were at a lot of my workouts in high school and going up in North Carolina, I mean. It's hard to I mean, you're an ACC country. And. You know, people outside of North Carolina may not know this, but NC State have the best, some of the best fans in the country. Um, sometimes delusional, like any fan base, but they're 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 extremely, like I don't know, I don't really know how to put it, but they are some of the best. They're they're some of the best fans out there. Like they're passionate, they're into it, and I I, I have nothing but good things to say about their fans because. They showed me tons of love while I was there and during the recruiting process. And I mean, obviously you're going to get some dirty comments when you leave a school, but like, you know, there wasn't too many, too much of that, but you know, grow like going back to the recruiting process with Sydney Lowe and Monty Tao, they were two undersized guards that won national championships at NC state. Like Monty Tao was on the 74 team. And then obviously um, Sydney Lowe was, with Jim with Jimmy V on on that team. So I'm like, all right, this is perfect. It was a lot of pick and roll stuff. And I th- and I was really good in the pick and roll. So that was like, man, what a better what there isn't a better fit right now than me to come play in a pick and roll and learn from two guards that's done it at this level already. That played at a high level, succeeded at a high level. Like this is where I need to be. And, you know, during my, when I committed there going into my junior year, throughout that junior year, I, I was kind of getting nervous in a way because they didn't have the, they weren't having the best season. And I'm like, oh crap, like how many more years are they going to give Sydney Lowe and Monty Tao? And honestly, towards the end of my junior year, um, I remember Monty come to my game and I had a really great game. I was really excited to talk to him after the game. He's like, yeah, I just, I mean, Tyler, I love you. Like, and like, I still remember that conversation. Like, he's like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with us next year. Like, obviously we're not having the greatest year possible, but you know, and then obviously at the end of that summer or after the year, they got fired. Mark Godfrey comes in and I wanted to honor my commitment. Like I fell in love with NC state, fell in love with the fan base and, you know, I, I will say this, like I play, I had a really great summer going into my senior year, a tremendous summer, played some really high level competition, played well at the NBA players camp. Um, and I was, I mean, you're thinking like, man, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine right now. And then, you know, I go and then I'd make the move to Oak Hill that summer. So going to Oak Hill, I really, and I'll be honest, like, I followed NC State basketball on my phone and through that, but I really didn't watch tons of games to figure out because I mean I was at Oak Hill. We 
honestly didn't even really have a TV at the time up there. Like, and I was playing so much, we're on the road playing so much. I didn't get to watch a lot of games. And I'm like, and you know, if I would have probably watched more games and been more active, I would have probably looked at it and been like, oh crap, this style's not for me. I mean, like this UCLA offense of me passing, coming off the, you know, the UCLA cut and getting on the block is really not good for a 5'10 point guard. And so, but you know, we had an extremely talented team. The team before just went to the Sweet 16. We bring in three McDonald's All-Americans, preseason top five. I'm like, oh crap, this is gonna be an awesome year. I just won a national championship in high school. And now we're projected to go to the final four preseason. I'm like, wow, this is this is nuts. And but you know, we didn't our, that team that year. I'll say this: like, if we would have had the culture that we had at Butler at NC State that year, there's no doubt in my mind that we would have been a second. I mean, obviously, anything in the tournament, I can't predict. Like, oh, we'd have went to the Final Four, or like, I can't say it. we had Final Four talent, but like, we would have been a second weekend team in the tournament for sure. We shouldn't have lost the first round to Temple. Right. Wow. That's that's some incredible insight right there. And I th- these are the type of stories that, that we love and the insight that you're able to provide, Tyler, because you don't necessarily put A, B, and C together, which is to say, okay, Tyler's entering his senior year playing 50-plus games. He doesn't really have time to catch this offense and watch the NC State Wolfpack, whom he's committed to. Maybe he would have – and who knows? Again, this is all revisionist history, but – you don't think about that as a casual observer and a casual fan, whereas the athlete themselves are, are going through that quick question, quick follow-up here. Did you have any discussion with Mark Godfrey, uh, your senior season at all? Yeah. I mean, we, we stayed in contact, you know, I had my official visit and all that stuff that went on. Um, you know, and the thing about it too, is two of the assistant coaches on the staff, Bobby Luce and Rob Moxley, they actually coach, they were, my brother played at Charlotte. They coached my brother at Charlotte. So I was like, all right, I already know these guys. They recruited me really hard. They were my second offer at UNC Charlotte as an eighth grader, like going into my ninth grade year. So like, I was like, man, this is like, I I know I can, I know these other two really well. Like I can figure this out. And, you know, I, I don't think the system was the greatest system in the world for me. It's an amazing basketball system. Like, as you know, it works. It's not, there's no secret. Um, But it goes to show you that like each player will like be successful in different systems. So like, you know, whenever I talk to, you know, recruits now and they ask me like, where should I go? Or like, what should I look for? I'd be like, well, how do you see yourself in that system? And how do you relate to that coach? Because those are two things like, Yes, I fell in love with NC State, but like 80% of your time is in the basketball world. Like the other 15% is like, you know, school, another 5% you're with your friends or family, whatever. But I mean, you're spending the majority of your time in the gym. Like you have practice, you have weights, you have, you know, rehab, you're getting in extra work. So like you're constantly in that gym. So like you got to figure out like, the right culture, the right system that you want to be in, that you think you're going to be your best self. It's a, it's a huge component, like you had mentioned. And that's why I also get really upset. First of all, when grown men 
are complaining, whining, have nasty things to say about a kid who's decommitted or spurned uh, their school. And like you had mentioned, you'd only seen a few, few and far between some notes about when you transferred out of NC State. But that's another thing that really kind of upsets me is when we see these grownups going crazy about a kid decommitting or going somewhere else because they're, what, 17 years old yeah. trying to make a potentially life-altering decision. And, and and that's what I that's what I tell people all the time is like in the recruiting process, don't get caught up in the fan love because there's a there's a lot of fan love that goes on in the recruiting process. But you know, once things start to go wrong, you have oh, you're going through a slump in the season, that fan love becomes fan hate. And that's that's major because you're so used to these people. You're logging on to Twitter. Oh, I love you, Tyler Lewis. You're the best basketball player ever. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, like, I missed the game when it shot against St. Louis in the tournament. And people spelled my last name like St. Like Louis and St. Louis instead of. Oh, <laughs> so, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, just just two days ago. You're telling me how great I was for when we beat Xavier in the tournament. Like, so like that stuff is that stuff you really got to take with a grain of salt. And that's when I really found out when I went to Butler, it's like, you got to turn out the white noise, turn off the white noise. And that's when I really like, all right, these people on Twitter or these fans, like they don't see what we go through every day. They're not here every single day in practice. They don't see how hard we go. They don't see what it takes to be able to play this this many minutes or to be this successful or, you know, all this stuff that goes on. And it kind of makes me mad too, is like when fans like hate on the coach, I'm like, like, yeah, like we may have had a, like some, I mean, we really never had a bad record in college, but like, like we're doing there. The coaches are putting in so much time and effort. Um, shoot. I mean, I don't know if you saw that Nick, Nick Saban thing today, like of all the stuff that, I saw it on Twitter, but um, all the stuff he does to prepare his team for the next opponent every single week. And to think like these coaches and players don't give it their all 100%. Like it's crazy to see the fan hate sometimes, but you know, you can't get caught up in that. And you also, you, you can't get too high and you can, ne- can never get too low. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely spot on. And I think you would have the best perspective, like I said, when I go back to mentioning that pedigree, right? I'm not necessarily in tune with Oak Hill fans. I don't know how how wild they get about high school hoops, but I know for a fact NC State, any ACC follower, yeah, they're pretty rabid about that, right? Same thing with Butler. And so it's not an excuse at all, but you've certainly played for two fan bases in two conferences where – basketball is king and that's what they're going to care about. And so I want to focus a little bit more there on your days at NC state. You briefly mentioned this, Tyler, you mentioned some of the players that you played alongside and it really is awesome. You do. This is a final four uh, talent level type of team. Okay. Just off the top of my head or in doing some research, CJ Leslie, Rodney Purvis, we have some UConn fans. So they loved Rodney Purvis when he went over there, BJ Anya, who is a, cult hero love bj anya most notably probably tj warren can you tell us a little bit about what those practices were like for you i mean it was it was unbelievable um what people don't understand too is our best or honestly my freshman year we had lorenzo brown he played in the nba for a little bit now he's playing 
overseas making doing very successful one of the best players i mean i would put him in my top five players i ever played against or played with um unbelievable now he played on the spain national team now um he is he's he he's phenomenal um phenomenal player he started at a one and i'm like all right well and honestly at the time i'm, I'm looking at him like this is the best point guard in acc like um, you know, that year, I mean, Shane Larkin was really good at Miami. Um, that entire Miami team. Was. Yeah, that whole entire Miami team. But, you know, at the two, um, Rodney Purvis and Scott Wood, whatever, the, the two or the three, they were kind of interchangeable. Um, and, you know, it was weird because, like, we started four upperclassmen. And you're thinking, I'm thinking, like, man, we have so much – like we're we're old right now. Like this is great. Like we we're starting we're starting two juniors, two seniors because at the four we have C.J. Leslie who's a junior, and the five we had Richard Howe who was first team All ACC that year, and honestly was our best player from start to finish. As I mean that year, and and you bring up the bench which he ended up starting towards the middle of the season with T.J. Warren who was this sophomore year with ACC Player of the Year. Um. So, like, when you get in and you have Jordan Vandenberg, me, and, you know, a couple other guys coming off the bench, like, that's that's a very talented team. And we had all the talent in the world. We just couldn't – and we just couldn't put it together. We couldn't find out ways to – like, how are we going to make this work together? And it's not like we didn't like each other because we really – like, we really bonded. Um, just couldn't figure it out of how are we going to make this thing work together. You're a Carolina kid, and when I say that, listener, that means he grew up in North Carolina. Not saying he's a Tar Heel, but as someone who is so close to the schools in Tobacco Road and truly understands the greatness of the state of Carolina in basketball, and now you look at NC State, who's been sputtering of late season-wise, right? I really like the Kevin Keats hire. He, he, he's building something, but I think fans are getting impatient as a resident of North Carolina and someone who's played there, Tyler, what do you see that the Wolfpack need to do in order to get back to competing for ACC titles in order to becoming a perennial tournament team? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Kevin Keats fan. Um been a fan of him since shoot way back in my high school days. He's always treated me with utmost respect. I have nothing but, you know, good things to say about him. And this year they have one of the most talented players in ACC and baby T, um, Traquavian Smith. So um, I I think this is a year where they can really make some noise. And I I say that because not – this team can remind me of – you know, my sophomore year at NC State, everyone predicted us. I mean, we lost all those guys. And we ended up going further in the tournament in my sophomore year than we did our freshman year. And and I, I say that because, like, people, like, it makes the players more hungry. Like, when you're picked at a certain thing. Like, if you're picked, whatever, say, 12th in ACC, it's going to make you a little hungrier. Um, so, like... I think for that team this year, it's like they got to play with a lot of passion and a lot of energy night in, night out, because we know like the fan base is going to show up and 
those coaches there like Levi, Joel, and you know, Joel Justice and you know, Coach Keats, like they're gonna do a heck of a job preparing those guys, getting them ready for the game. So, you know, I think they just gotta play with some sense of urgency and the energy every single night and you know good things will happen i mean that league is tough and you know i think stepping into that the coaching thing at nc state when he had to when he when he stepped into it like it's going to take some rebuilding like i think people have to give him time because you know we're we're right we're in that era of like hey we got to win now win now win now win now and people don't understand like it takes time to build a really good team. And I think that's dovetailing very nicely into the next item that I was very curious about. I don't know if there's anyone who has a stronger finger on the pulse of Wolfpack fandom than maybe you living in that state, having gone there. The general outlook of Wolfpack Nation, of these fans, do they have that patience for Coach Keats right now? What is the outlook of, of the fans? And and it may be absurd, but what are you noticing? I don't know if I'm the right person to talk to about this. Um, you know, I, I think with any fan base, like I told you, it's like you wanna you wanna win now and you only see wins and you only see wins and losses. You don't see what the program going through when he probably first got the job or whatever it's like you got it you got to have you got to have years where you know you're able to build it and you know i think i think this year is a key year for him because i mean people have short memories if you if, if he wins games this year they won't care what he did last year or the year before i mean shoot people were writing nuts off like we lost we we just had the probably the I mean, like I said, my freshman year, we were projected to go to the Final Four, win the ACC that year. And then people, oh, man, like that, those fans were starting to, you know, f- want to fire all the staff that year. And then we come back the next year and we we have a heck of a year. We overachieved. So, you know, I think during times like this, you take that, what the fans say, and you, like, this bulletin board material in your locker room, and you you overachieve with it. I'm certainly excited to see what the Wolfpack can do. It, when when all four Tobacco Road teams are good, it's appointment television. I think it's better for college basketball. I was happy to see Wake um, have a successful season. NC State, I love seeing. I think it's PNC Bank Arena. Is it still that? I love seeing that yeah, back PNC. to the gills. Yeah, no, PNC, PNC is unbelievable. Like, if you can get that, if you can see that environment. Um, it looks unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, if you go to, I mean, even at the, Hurricanes games, like man, it's un- it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, and shoot, I live in Winston Salem right now, so like I'm very, I keep up with Wake a ton. Um, Coach Ford's doing a heck of a job there. I mean, it, it it's really good. Obviously, Carolina and Duke will always be Carolina and Duke. Like, I mean, it's it's fun to see. Like, it's it's really like you said, it's really fun when all four teams in North Carolina are good at basketball it's the absolute best and it's been, we've been so lucky spoiled to have UNC Duke really playing at the top of their games. I think they went back to back years of sharing a title between the two of them. Obviously we had that Epic final four game, so many storylines, but the thing that elevates Carolina Duke in my estimation against or above other rivalries is that even when one team isn't good, 
the game itself always produces. Yep. Somehow the game will always be a one possession game. Uh, and Carolina could be unranked. Duke could be unranked, but it always produces. So Tyler, I'm going to ask you one more heartbreaking question before we pivot to some more positive stuff. So I apologize for this, man, but it is about your time at Butler. It does have something to do with Carolina. You do end up losing to the eventual national champions uh, against North Carolina. Did that sting just a little bit more because it was UNC and because of your time at NC state or, or was the finality of playing your final collegiate game enough? No, I, I, I'll say this, like that, that loss will always have a sting in me. I mean, it was my last game. Like I had a chance to go play professionally, got into college coaching, but like that game, Oh man, I still have nightmares today. I, people don't understand how hard it was to because all my friend, my wife just graduated from Carolina right before like the year before that happened. My in-laws, all my wife's family all went to Carolina. It was like probably the only time where I feel like my in-laws didn't. Were they cheer. not rooting for you? No, they, that was the only time they weren't cheering for Carolina. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. 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 They were cheering for me. So, um, who I was engaged at the time to, to my wife. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up in growing up in North Carolina and being able to be able to play them in the Sweet 16 is pretty cool. Um, obviously, it wasn't the greatest matchup for us. People don't re- really know this, but like Arkansas probably should have beat them in the round of 32 before, and we would have. And I'm not saying we would have beat Arkansas because I mean anything can happen in 40 minutes, but we had a better matchup with them than we did Carolina that year, and. You know, whenever, whenever you get put in a put put, put your, I think we're in the east of it or south east or south division. Whenever your division is put in with North Carolina, UCLA, and Kentucky, um, I think you're and you're the four seed. I think you're in a pretty tough um, thing. So, and honestly, I mean that was the year that like Lonzo Ball was. You know, his UCLA team, and then obviously, you know what happened in the Elite Eight with the Carolina Kentucky game. But you know, I think I, honestly, we would have matched up well with Kentucky that year too. Um, but you know that 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 North Carolina game definitely stings. But you know, I'm very excited. I'm honestly happy they won national championship because I can always say I lost my last game to the national champions. Yeah, not not bad at all. And and when you look at some of the title teams from Carolina and you look at their rosters, it's pretty insane. Yeah. It really is insane no, like, dating back to 04. No, and they were I mean, it was I mean, honestly, like Theo Pinson's from North Carolina, grew up playing against him. He's a little younger than me, but like being able to see him and win a championship. Kennedy Meeks was on that team, Northern North Carolina kid. Like like that's like I'm a huge Obviously, I'm from North Carolina. I want to see North Carolina kids do well. I didn't want to see those two do well against us, but they did. Um, but I'm happy for them. And them winning national championship is, I mean, that's what we all want to do. I mean, have that feeling to win a national championship in college is, I mean, that's what, we, I mean, we're dreaming of kids of playing in March Madness and we're playing the March Madness song in our living room. And, you know, you, you want to have that confetti fall down. Like it's like, that's what you dream about as a kid and being, being able to play in March madness in the tournament four years is extremely special. Not a lot of people can say that. Um, so, I mean, honestly, my, my college career was, 
you know, I think it could have gone better in some ways, but looking back at it, I'm like, man, I had a pretty really good career. I'm telling you, Tyler, and I said this from the top, you are one of the biggest forces uh, impacts on winning during that time frame in which you were playing. And we remember that we definitely appreciate that. It's, it's not always uh, maybe the flashiest people. It's look, you're not Zion Williamson, but you know what, in terms of contributing to winning, I might take you over as Zion Williamson or some others. I mean, we remember, well, I hope not. <laughs> I remember I how impactful you were, man. I, I hope not Zion Williamson, but um, <laughs> I, I, I just want to no, make like, sure you're getting the due credit that, yeah, that you I, deserve, I, Tyler. I, I like it. Um, but you know, like the one thing that's really cool is like my sophomore year and my senior year at Butler. I mean, I was able to lead the ACC and Big East in assist turnover ratio. My senior year, I was second in the country and I was like a 4.3 to one. So, like that stuff, like you're talking about, it leads to winning and being going back to like being an undersized guard. And I talked about, you have to be really good at something like that's something I was really good at was taking care of the ball and setting my guys up in the right position where they could score because it's not like that stuff, like being able to make other people around you happy and being able to get them shots in the right spot. Like that was my role on the team and being able to be an all-star in my role helped me have a great college career. Yeah, absolutely. Turnovers, nothing, nothing worse than turnovers. And yeah. what do we always say? A lot of people say it in football, but you can clearly say it in basketball too. Ball security, it's job yeah. security right there, man. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you brought up your your accolades in both the Big East and the ACC. Can you give our listeners an inside look and your thoughts on what what are some of the biggest differences, maybe similarities between those two conferences? I, th- I think from I think top to bottom, I think the Big East is, I mean, now they have 11 teams, but I think that from, I mean, my, when I was in 2017, 70% of the conference made the tournament. So seven of the 10 teams made the tournament and, you know, the ACC is so much bigger now. So like you have some bottom feeder teams, like obviously I think the teams at the top are probably better than you know obviously you know villanova had their run which they were sensational um but like every game in both conferences are tough every single night and i I think i think more people are skilled in the acc i think it's more of like a skill slash like um like basketball iq kind of conference and I think the Big East is like tough, gritty, like in your face, like you have to like prepare, like it's it's, it's a dog fight. Like, and I, that's what, I mean, I know like the old Big East is, you know, it's not like the new Big East or whatever, but the new Big East is pretty tough in itself. Man, that's what I just keep thinking of. It is the, the new Big East, just the Big East in general. I'm just, I don't know why the first thought in my mind came or went to Dewan Blair at Pitt when he, he would wear like headbands around his bicep, man. And I just remember getting on the floor, nasty, gritty. And you're right. I do sort of see with the ACC, maybe a little bit more skilled, uh, a little bit more pace, but to me, it's both intriguing and appealing hoops. Yeah. Oh, it's the, I mean, it's two of the top three conferences basketball wise. Um, I think, um, obviously, I mean, it, it's it's hard. I mean, every I guess every year you have some really good teams like the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, SEC. 
Um, but you know, I think it's two of the best conferences in the country for sure. Yeah, and when, when and, and, and the best thing about the Big East, and I'll say that all right, first thing, best thing about the ACC and the Big East, it's a basketball league. Outside of like a couple schools that in the ACC that like care about their football, but like it's a basketball league. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm trying to think of of any schools in the ACC that may be football over basketball. Uh, I think maybe a few years ago you could. Uh, Virginia Tech is probably. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go Clemson and probably. Clemson. You know, yeah. You know, I think I think Florida uh, Florida State. I mean, honestly, their basketball team has been really good here lately. So, yeah. Um, I mean, they have one of the best coaches. I think the most underrated coaches in the country at Florida State. Yeah, Len Hamilton's great. I would also yeah. throw Miami in there. There's a decent yeah. amount, but it's not as if those basketball programs haven't experienced any success. You brought yeah. up the Kenny Kaji, uh, Shane Larkin team, of course. Uh, Leonard Hamilton continues to make relatively deep runs with his his Seminoles team. Uh, so the ACC, the Big East, had to ask you about maybe some differences, similarities between the two. Hey, uh, another thing I want to ask you about this. Uh, we've we talked a little bit about, you had actually mentioned, I think 70% of the Big East got in uh, to the tournament. Have you heard this? Have you seen this tournament expansion talk? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, I, I, say it with your chest, Tyler. Whew. I'm not a fan of it right now. I'm not saying that I won't be a fan of it in the future, but honestly, I think 68 teams is enough. Um, That's just why, why would, I mean, it's probably going to happen because more games, more money, more gambling can stuff can go on. I get it. Everything involves around how much money you can make and the NCAA can make during the process. So, um, but I, I think sixty-eight is the perfect number. I do. I think. I think the four. I think the the playing games are great. I do. Um, and then, you know, the six the the sixty-four teams that get in. I mean, it's it's special, and it's tradition. And I know, I know traditions are sometimes supposed to be broken. But in this instance, I don't think it's supposed to be broken. So I am not a fan of um, the tournament expansion. Thank you. First of all, you're far more polished, refined, and professional, diplomatic even, in your response than I could be. So you've clearly gone through media training in your four years of college basketball. But me over here, when I saw that, I'm like, please stop. I I don't want more teams in the tournament. Me and the Shark, my co-host, last week, we were talking about it's like you're having a New Year's party, okay? And you invite a friend that you know can act and behave properly, your friend then says, hey, Tyler, I'm going to bring this guy. Wild card. You don't know him. And he just completely ruins the whole thing. I feel like that's what we're doing here. We need. We have the vetting process for a reason. And the way to do that is to win your conference tournament yeah. or to be competitive and and have a well, strong, strong resume. I, I, I will say this. like I think some of the mid-major conferences, I, um, like – like say say if I say if I was coaching at in the CAA is a one bid league and I was at Elon in the CAA like if if I win the tournament like obviously whoever wins the tournament gets into the, the big dance but I think whoever wins the regular season should have a shot to get into the big dance too and then you know if if if, if Elon wins both then there's only one team that gets in 
I, I think, and, and I think it will kick out. But I mean, I know people will be like, "Oh, well, you, you would have to expand it." I was like, "No, well, you get rid of some of those high major ten seeds or eleven seeds or whatever." Um, but you know, like like I said, it, it involves around a little bit of money and involved in those schools as well man we're supposed to be the purists here okay i i understand it's their job to think about the almighty dollar but you had mentioned tradition uh, i've got great stories regarding the tournament and i don't know if i can deal with with expansion so definitely wanted to get your thoughts on this and another hot topic transfers okay you're actually someone that transferred and had to sit out what do you think about the new transfer rules uh, and, and, and the movement in college basketball. Um, I, I only think transfers should be able to play right away. If the, if there's a coaching change and you got family stuff back home and I, I every year it's a free agent market. Um, honestly, you're able, I mean, nowadays, I mean, you could get rid of all 15 players on your team and pick up 15 new players. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it's beneficial in a way. Like if it's 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 a way that a team can get really good fast. But I mean, it can screw up a lot of teams because nowadays you have you have teams recruiting other teams' players in in handshake lines. Call it how it is. It's no it's no secret. Like I mean, if if I was at a mid-major school and I just dropped 25 on a high major school. You don't think that high major is going to start recruiting that kid as soon as the season's over or before maybe he's even gonna, during. Yeah. He's gonna, they're going to find a way. Um, so I think that stuff is there's pros and cons to it all, but I think the only way that people should really be able to transfer right away is coaching changes because I don't think it's fair. Coaches can just get up and leave and, go coach another team right away. Like as a player, you commit to a school because you love the school, but also because you like the coaching staff. They are the people that sell you on the school. So if they leave and they sell you on the school, they sell you on their system. Now a new person comes in, you should be able to be able to leave right away. Yeah. hundred percent. I am glad you were able to call that out. And of course the outstanding family circumstances where I feel like, to the general public, if you hear some of these stories about what some kids are going through with whatever family hurdles they have to clear, and yet they're still being punished or they still have to sit out, and you're just like a little common sense here, please. But that was the other item I really wanted to get your thoughts on as as being someone who has transferred before. Tyler, I'm going to get you out of here on a few quick hitters, okay? You've been so gracious with your time, uh, but a few quick hitters now. Is there any player that came after you that reminded you of yourself? That came after me, or even before. Why don't I expand oh, oh, it? Or right. Oh, that's playing. Um, I mean, just any player in the college space that reminded you of you. College, college level. Um, at the high school level, I mean, the e- Eli Ellis is pretty good. Um, now at OTE, that played at Moravian um, Prep. Um, college level. That, that's tough. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. That's hard. I don't want to be lazy and just immediately go to like a TJ McConnell or an Aaron Kraft, but 
was there any comp between those two other point guards because they were sure with the ball, they could get you points, and they were terrific facilitators. Yep, and Aaron Kraft is the best defender, and I was probably not the best defender. So, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, he was he was really good. Um, uh, probably, I mean, maybe one right now that I like is Alex Barcelo at BYU. Yeah. Alex Barcelo, I'm an Arizona fan, so I remember when he started off with us and transferred to BYU. He's been a really good player. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was. I mean, I think he was Arizona Gatorade Play of the Year, maybe. And then, I mean, I know he didn't play a lot of minutes at Arizona, and now he's playing really well at BYU. So, um, I would probably that he would probably be one of them that I would say that reminds me of myself. Certainly, someone that contributes to winning BYU in a, a rocky spot a, a few years ago. Mark Pope has done a terrific job with the Cougars as well, but Alex Barcelo uh, really changed the culture and has them back to their winning ways. The days we think of thinking of like Jimmer Fredette uh, and 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 those type of guys. So I was just curious about that. Hey, uh, toughest place to play that you've played in? Toughest place to play, um, Syracuse. Or, or Cameron. Uh, so Syracuse, of course, would have been in the ACC, both ACC yeah, days, ACC. right? So we we had them, we had them beat, and this is when they were sixteen and over, seventeen though, with Tyler Ennis and CJ Fair in them, and we're playing up at at Cuse. And it, it, tell me how crazy this story is about ACC of like Carolina and Duke getting a lot of. Um, you know, stuff like their game that I think is like the, the night before the day of that's when they delayed the game because of an ice storm, like they, and like for the next day. And then we have to fly all the way to Syracuse and play in the middle of this. Like we flew up the day of the game, went to, went to the hotel, ate a pregame meal, went straight to the carrier dome. First time ever in the carrier dome is when we play, we didn't get a shoot around or nothing. So I walk in there and there's 34,000 people in there. And I'm like, crap, this place is unbelievable. And I mean, it was a really fun atmosphere. They were really loud. They beat us on a buzzer beater. Um, but it was really fun. We ended up beating them in the ACC tournament, which kind of sealed our way into the tournament that year. So it was really cool. Cameron Indoor Stadium got my first start there. Um, you feel like the ground shake is pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, it's I'll a say this. place to get your first start. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the craziest places in the Big East. I would say it's probably a tie. It's, I mean, I hate to say it, but Xavier fans are really good. Um, and Creighton fans are really good. That's funny you mentioned Creighton. Um, when we had Alex Barlow on, he let us know. He said it was dollar beer night in Omaha. Yeah, it's dollar beer night pretty much every time in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> and they are, I swear, my junior year, I didn't get to go out there. I had a concussion and missed like half my um, half of Big East play my junior year. But senior year, we're like top, we're both like top 15 in the country. And they honestly is one of those nights where everything went right for Creighton and nothing went right for us because they whooped our butt by, I mean, I think it ended up being like a 12 point game. But they had us up by 30 at one point, I think. It was one of those games where Coach Holtman walked in the locker room and was like, let's just go get on the bus, get on the plane, boys. I'll talk to y'all back in Indy. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh all of those venues though. Great venues, of course. Uh the Carrier Dome, I feel like every single year 
we see them setting a new attendance record somehow. Yeah. I, I just feel like that is always happening at Syracuse, and you're basically playing in a football stadium. So yeah, that's I the mean, first time we've heard Cuse. Yeah, and and you know, Cuse fans are pretty good too. They're they're pretty dirty as well. Yep. Hey, flip side, lamest zero juice. You're you're having a tough time getting up for this, and it may be an out of conference game because I can't imagine there's many ACC Big East venues that don't bring the level of intensity. But can you remember any game uh, where you're like, "Damn, I got nothing." DePaul and Boston College. Like, <laughs> yes. Like I don't like we we go to Boston College and there's probably ten there was probably like ten fans in the crowd and it was like probably some of the parents from NC state donors in NC state. And then probably the families at Boston college. So I was like, man, like, I was like, golly, this is a hard place to play. And then my, and then going to DePaul and, but like they, DePaul played like 30 minutes outside of campus. So was it at Wintrust? They, they didn't, they, we played at their old where um, they, they have a new arena now, but yeah. Yeah. That's so, funny. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's not the first time we've heard BC. This is a question I ask almost all former players. I'm trying to remember. I think it was LD Williams actually, who might be a, a very well, familiar name in Winston Salem. Yeah, LD is my guy. Um, honestly, we're we're from. He actually, um, I used to go play pickup with him all the time at Wake Forest. He's from our area too, so he was like my biggest fan growing up. LD was, and honestly, if it wasn't for Bizdella getting fired, I'd have been at Wake Forest. Wow. Wow. What a nugget that is. I got, I got to reach out to LD. I feel free to do the same, but it's always great to have some Carolina boys on the program. And I think he, I asked him that question. He was like, Conti for him, chestnut Hill. <laughs> Terrible. So, and actually my, my other co-host, the shark who was super excited. Well, I, hey, you got to bring this up to LD. His probably three favorite games with Carolina Duke and NC state. Cause they they brought in more fans than Wake Forest sometimes. Hey, I'll I'll, I'll be sure to <laughs> let them know that. I always I always give it a and and honestly I'll say it too is like I never won a game at Wake Forest and it's crazy because half the fans were red were wearing red in there, but they just I mean they we never played well at Wake Forest. I might have never. to I might have to tweet out that audio. I'll tag the both of you guys. No, on don't that. tweet that out. I don't want Wake Forest fans getting going. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Last couple ones here. Who's the toughest guy you had to guard or go up against? Chris Dunn. Great answer. We have a lot of Providence fans who who love Chris Dunn. Providence fans are kind of hyenas, but, hey, that man was a lottery pick. He was a stud in college. I, I had to play against him. Obviously, we were in the McDonald's game together, but, man, played against him. He was really good. I, honestly, those guards like that were harder to guard for me, like the Edmund Sumners at Xavier – like those type guys were harder to guard than like a Jalen Brunson or a like a I don't know they were just so like they were long they were tall like I don't know they were they were really good. I mean, I shoot, Jalen Brunson's really good. He's one of the I mean, he's only the in my opinion a top five college basketball player of all time because there's only so many people that can say I had two national championships and a Nat Naismith Player of the Year and like two Big East Player of the Year. So um, his his college his resume that, is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I'm like, and and honestly, and he'll probably say this to you. I mean, I took the most BS charge on him in transition. It was no way a charge, and it was the only game. He was a freshman. No, he was a sophomore that year. And um, 
it was like Hart senior year, Jenkins senior year. It's the only time they ever lost at home, and it was on their senior night. Holy smokes. That's yeah. a story right there. Yeah, it was it was the worst charge call probably in Villanova history. Wow. <laughs> I, I got to go look that up. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got some war stories, Tyler. So that's, that's, that's very interesting to know, but yeah, Chris Dunn, he was a, he was certainly a problem. Uh, Hey, Tyler, you've been so great with all of these stories. I want to give you the opportunity and the time now to tell us what you're up to today. Tell us a little bit about the, the Phenom report, if you don't mind. So Phenom hoops, my dad started probably about 15 years ago. Um, Right now, one, some of our biggest things is running tournaments and camps throughout the Southeast. Um, we pretty much host camps and tournaments every weekend. Also, uh, we have a scouting service that goes along with it that we have multiple, you know, we have a lot of Division One schools, Division Two schools, Division Three schools that subscribe to it. And we really cater to the kids in the North Carolina area, the South Carolina area, and Virginia. I think we do some of the best job in the area of getting the kids seen and giving them a platform that will help get kids recognized at the college level. You're doing tremendous work, Tyler. I've, I, I was doing a bit of research on it, following it. Uh, you're, these kids are going to be learning from some of the best. Obviously, you're come from, coming from a basketball family. Excuse me. You've played at such a high level, and now it's really neat to see how you're transferring that uh, to the younger generation. Yeah. And be, being around the game of basketball is, you know, I always, you know, I tell myself all the time, it's like, man, I should have just went, I should have played overseas at least for a year, you know, tried the professional route because like you fall in love with the, you fall in love with playing the game. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to do when I'm 40? I need to get into college coaching right now. And I'm like, you know, I get into college coaching, spend three years there. And then, you know, God opens a door here and I'm able to work for family and, be around the game of basketball still. And honestly, it's been, it's been a blessing. Um, it's, it's a lot of hard work. It's very busy, but I mean, you're around the game that you love and you're able to help so many young men throughout their journey. Um, some of the best things that you get throughout the working here is like the kids that call you and be like, Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. Like that you gave me this platform or you talked to this coach about me because you know, like, a college, co- I, I can't get a college coach to sit here and like offer a kid, you know, but I can tell a kid like a coach like, hey, you should look at this kid. He may be a kid that worth having on your radar. Absolutely. I'm, so, I'm certainly going to be following uh, along some of the names that come through and and maybe we'll see them because I'm, I'm probably going to be an old guy with a bad back still watching college hoops because I love the game. But I'm sure you've been uh, around a lot of great talent. So Congrats, kudos to you and your family, Tyler. You're doing an amazing job. I'll get you out of here on this. Bring them up on stage. Let's bookend this episode with bring them up on stage. I told you Alex Barlow had referenced you, mentioned you, and of course I was beating down your door being a pest, but this has been amazing. Anyone that you can refer to us that you think would be a a good fit to jump onto theater and college hoops? Um. Uh, this is a this is a good this is a good question. I'm trying to think because I I, I want to bring up teammates, but I don't want to. I, I know you don't want another Butler guy up here. We can uh, do it. He might have some other stories. We look. I'm in no position to be choosy. Okay. Well, honestly, I would probably go with 
three dudes at Butler who I think are three of the best. I mean, I would go with Kellen Dunham, who's the third all-time leading scorer, I think. Um, Roosevelt Jones, who uh, I'll go four, I'll, I'll go five. I'll go Kellen Dunham, Keelan Martin, Roosevelt Jones, Andrew Travis, Kamar, Kamar Baldwin. Great players. Yes. Great players, yeah. I actually did reach out to Roosevelt Jones right after he got his position at Evansville. Hug for him. Congratulations. Haven't heard back, but you know what? I might now drop your name and say, I got some I got some decent buildup here with Tyler Lewis. What do you yeah. say you jump on? Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing a great job in the coaching world and you know, being able to make that move over to Evansville is pretty cool. And being able to be that division one school is always I mean I'm a fan of Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, whatever. But you know, I think his main goal is to be able to coach at the highest level, and he's doing a great job. You guys are building out a nice little coaching tree here. You, we are, and, Jones, man, uh, Alex I mean, Barlow, Cam, Cam Cam Woods is a G League coach for the um, Thunder, the head coach there. So he played with. Um, he was there in my sit out year. Played with Barlow, the same class as Barlow. So, so can, can we label this all under the Holtman coaching tree? You know, but that staff also, I mean, those that senior class also played with Brad Stevens for a year. And That's you know, true. Funny, you know, what's funny about all that is I never, and during my recruiting process, I never committed to a head coach that recruited me. Because when I went up there, I committed with Brandon Miller. And then like three weeks later, I get up there. And he takes a leave of absence. I'm like, oh, crap, what's going on? Luckily enough, Holtman took the job. So, Oh, um, my goodness. So I never, I fun fact for you, I never got to play for a head coach that recruited me. That's that's I hadn't even put that together. So if we really think about it, right, you've got a relationship with Sidney Lowe, Mark Gottfried, Brandon Miller, and, and then Chris and Brandon, Holtman. Brandon was another point guard that was like me. Like led a team to the Sweet Sixteen with, and I'm like, man, it's another great opportunity. And, Your disposition. But, you know, I, 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 I couldn't ask for a better coach than Coach Holtman. I mean, obviously, he's one. He's one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion. Um, I think they're going to be a. I think they're going to be really freaking good this year at Ohio State. So, um, I'm a big Buckeyes fan now. Um, not as much of the dogs, but I am. I'm a. I am a big Ohio State fan. Yeah, you have to be loyal to your coach. That I, mean, I hadn't even thought about that, but I think it does speak to your maturity and just general disposition, outlook on life. That hey, I've had two guys basically not be able to coach me who that who recruited me but i'm still able to make it work which you clearly did so tyler thank you so much for giving us some great memories watching you and thank you for jumping on here to theater and college hoops sharing some great insight detail and amazing stories we're going to be uh keeping up with with all that you do okay and college hoop season is right around the corner man let's stay in touch during the season sounds good appreciate you thanks for having me on All right. I want to thank Tyler Lewis once again for jumping onto the program. That was a lot of fun. He was able to share tons of stories, some great insight into his former teams, his former players. Uh, he was just a, an open book. He, he was able to really take us through his recruiting. And I, what a nugget that is. What an absolute nugget that is that both coaches – at NC State and Butler, that recruited him, he was not able to play for. Sidney Lowe recruited him to NC State, ended up playing for Mark Gottfried. 
Brandon Miller at Butler recruits him to Butler when he wants to transfer. Ends up playing for Chris Holtman. I'm telling you, Tyler Lewis has one of the most fascinating college basketball careers that that you'll see. And and I'm glad he was able to tell us that because I'm just looking at it from a surface level. I'm looking at all of his research, I suppose. When I'm doing research, I'm looking at all of his stats, and it didn't even dawn on me that the two coaches that recruited him, he never even got to play for. And he's doing a terrific job over at the Phenom Hoop, Hoop Report. Make sure to follow them at Phenom underscore hoops to see what Tyler has going on. Thank you again to Tyler for jumping onto the program. All right. I want to get out of here on a few quick hitters, quick hugs uh, to these seniors, Oscar Shibwe, Drew Timmy, Armando Baycott, Marcus Sasser, and Trace Jackson Davis, all on the preseason first team all America list. Again, seniors folks. I think there are multiple ways of winning and getting to where you need to go. But if you're a serious basketball program, you got to be able to develop some of these guys. It's not just going to be freshmen taking you to the final four. Okay. Maybe a sophomore, but you got to be able to have key cogs that have been through wars like a drew Timmy. Drew Timmy has seen some shit. Okay. Drew Timmy has seen, uh, Baylor just completely dominate them. He's been in a battle down low against UCLA's bigs in, in the tournament. Okay. Lost to Arkansas. Jalen Williams swallowed him up. Oscar Shibwe, one of the most surprising, craziest upsets we've seen in quite some time as he loses to St. Peter's coming off of an insanely great year. Armando Baycott, he's been through a battle. He's played in a Final Four. He's played at, at, at the greatest college, the greatest sporting rivalry, excuse me, at one of the highest stages, and he did it on a bum ankle. Marcus Sasser, a year for, for revenge, hopefully, for him. A year for for retribution after coming off of a, a terrible injury. And then Trace Jackson Davis, who goes through the grind of the Big Ten every single year. Who is part of that nucleus and, and, and the forefront guy in getting Indiana back to the tournament, which is a huge deal. We need Indiana to be good. We need them to be a perennial tournament team. Because college basketball is better when the Hoosiers are good. And Trace Jackson Davis is certainly a great player. But I'm just glad we have all of these seniors and elder statesmen really leading the way for college hoops. Makes me feel good. And I do think a part of that that we need to applaud is the NIL. I don't know if you've seen what Oscar Shibwe is making, but he deserves it. Happy for him. Drew Timmy, I believe, is on an NIL deal. There's more impetus to come back. There's, 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 it makes more sense for these guys to come back and make money off of their name, image, and likeness instead of just, and, and sorry, folks, no, it's not enough for them to just put the jersey on and win those games for your school. Okay. But I'm glad that they're all back and hug for the NIL, hug for senior leadership. Also want to say happy belated Diwali. Yes, that's right. Diwali was uh, Monday, October 24th. I hope you all had a lovely Diwali. Have a sweet. Make sure to do that. And I also want to give a huge, huge hug to my brother-in-law, Patrick. King Doyle, who is an avid listener of Titch, 
been a day one supporter. He welcomes his second child to the world, Joe, Joseph. I might go by calling him Joe Bear, okay? But I am Uncle Subi. I can't wait to get my paws on him here in a couple of days. That's right. I will be heading down to Southwest Ohio, the t- Cincinnati top three city in America. It goes San Diego, New Orleans, Cincinnati. Please at me if you have any issues with, with those three. But I will be down in Cincinnati to visit my latest and greatest nephew. But I wanted to give a big hug and hat tip to Patrick, who has been a day one listener. Uh, like I said, can't wait to meet the little guy. And again, want to thank Tyler Lewis for jumping onto the program, sharing some terrific stories. We're going to get on out of here, folks. But the season's coming up. We got a couple weeks. I don't know if Manhattan knew that because they've just parted ways with their head coach. It seems like we're doing more prep work for the season than Manhattan. But we're oh so close to tip off, and I cannot wait. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. I'm Rick Lewis, founder and president of Phenon Hoops. This past July, I was honored to announce my son Colby would be joining Phenon Hoops as vice president and director of scouting. I'm excited to announce my youngest son Tyler will be joining Phenon Hoops. Tyler enjoyed tremendous success as a McDonald's All-American and led Oak Hill to a national championship in 2012, going a perfect 44-0. Tyler played collegiately at NC State and Butler and participated in four NCAA tournaments. After graduating from Butler, Tyler was on the basketball staff at Furman, ECU, and Elon. Tyler, like Colby, will bring a wealth of experience and knowledge and will be a valuable asset to Phenon Hoops. Today I'm honored to join Phenon Hoops, both from the family aspect of things and the basketball aspect of things. Both family and basketball mean so much to me, and being able to work for my brother and my dad means the world to me. And be able to be around the game of basketball, which I fell in love with at an early age, means so much to me. And so many people along my journey in the basketball career helped me out. I want to play that same role to so many high school kids and middle school kids along the way to help them reach their dreams as well.